0: Hey, church, Pastor Eric here, and I'm just so glad that you're joining us on our podcast today. I just pray that this message will stir up your faith, build you up, and just move you closer to the Father's heart. If you want to learn more about us as a church or would like to get further connected, you can visit us at our website at oasischurchchicago.com, download our app, Oasis Church Chicago, and also join us on YouTube for our live streams on Sundays and Wednesdays. We hope you find this message to be encouraging and life-giving. Now, here's today's message from Pastor JP. Amen. I was over there just full-blown ugly crying. I just had to go to the bathroom and make sure my eyes weren't all messed up. They are. Um, Jesus is good. He's so good to us. And I know it's jokingly say it, but it's just awkward crying in front of people. Um, but man, I just hope that Jesus' heart just come so real to you today that you stop worrying about who's next to you, what's in front of you, what's behind, like, and you just give your life to Jesus, and man, it's so good to worship King Jesus, amen? He is the King of all kings. He is the great... An awesome one. He is above all things. He is over all things. He has conquered the the grave. He has conquered death. He has conquered sin. He has conquered everything, and he has given us freedom today. And we, as the people of God, as the children of God, are able to walk in freedom by Jesus' blood and resurrection power. And I don't know about you, but for one more time, maybe it's good to just thank thank Jesus that he has claimed us, he has paid for us, he has bought us, and we have freedom in the name of Jesus. Come on, just five seconds. Give Jesus some praise. Even if you're at home, on your couch, in your living room. Just bless the name of Jesus for his awesome grace and mercy. So I'm going to try to move forward and stop crying. Um, we've been fasting. We're on day six of our 21-day fast, and so I've just been blessed by the stories and the reports of people. Um, I had a brother say to me today that at 2 o'clock, he just he begins to feel those hungry pains. You know what I'm talking about? Two o'clock, Brother Ricky, it's like two o'clock and it's like, man, <laughs> pastor, Lord, you just call upon anybody <laughs> in the great name of who yeah, I'm just kidding. Um, you just you just start calling out whatever you can remember out of scripture and you're just like, help me get through this time. Um, but I pray that the Lord continues to bless you and speak to you and takes you deeper into his love as we fast and pray. Amen. So last week we focused on the upward focus of fasting, turning our to, turning our affections and our attention to to the Father. And so I want to encourage you, even though this week is going to be focused on something else, continue to do that during this fast. Turn your affections upward. Keep your eyes lifted on the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of this world is not our calling. This is not our home. We are called to be here and we're called to do things here. We're called to bring the kingdom of heaven here, but this is not our home. Amen. And so this week, I want to just talk about the inward focus of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we fast and pray over, these, uh, over this next week and over these next two weeks. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four. I want us to just be people that release our lives off of the attachments and the connections to the world and continue to attach ourselves and our hearts' affections and, and our minds and, and our lives, our homes, our kids, to the Father. Going deeper with him, letting the inward work of the Holy Spirit take place in our life. Come on, how many of you know more than ever, we need the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives? We need the work of the Holy Spirit in our church. We need the work of the power of the Holy Spirit in our city. Amen? And it starts with us inside of our hearts and our lives. So Luke chapter 4, Jesus is on earth. We love Jesus in this house. That's the only one we serve. And uh, he is here on earth. He is... uh, um, He has grown up. He is about to go into his ministry time where he begins to heal and deliver and set people free. He begins to release um, captives that are bound uh, by by demonic strongholds. He he gives people the ability to walk that couldn't. He gives people the ability to have sight that couldn't see. He, he, He transforms homes. He transforms family. How many know Jesus is still the same today? The theology of Jesus has not changed. He still does this today. He's still in the business of healing people. He's still in the business of setting people free. He's still in the business of taking those that are bound by addiction and setting them free. Those that have had generational curses on their lives, family history and legacies. He's in the business of still setting people free. He's still in the business of giving people that can't walk the freedom and the ability to walk. He's still in the business of giving people sight that could never see before. We believe in the power of Jesus still in this house today. says that he's the same what yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. So Jesus is about to step into his ministry, and something incredible happens. He goes to the Jordan River where John the Baptist is there. John the Baptist was the one that prepared the way for Jesus, preached about how Jesus was going to come. The Messiah was coming, and Jesus shows up to the river, and John baptizes him, and Jesus comes out of the water, and such a powerful moment takes place. God the Father speaks and says, this is my son. This is my son. This is my son. And Jesus then in Luke, there's a little bit of stuff there in chapter 3 that continues, but it goes into Luke chapter 4, where now Jesus has been proclaimed the Son of God, and he's led into the wilderness to be tempted, but he fasts and pray. And so Luke chapter 4, verse one we're going to read it together. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty Days being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. Next year, we're going 40 days, and everybody says, They're like, I'm not saying amen to that. That's the one time I'm not saying amen. 40 days, no food. And when he and when they were ended, the days he was hungry shocker. And when the devil had ended his every, opportun- every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Notice that he entered into it, filled with the Spirit, and he entered out of it, filled with the Spirit. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. Jesus, right now, in just a few moments that we have together to just open up your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would speak. Holy Spirit, would you soften hearts? Those that are here, those that are watching online, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just uh, have your way. I pray that the word of God would pierce our hearts, that we would know deeper your heart for us, and that you would just continue to speak life, speak hope, speak truth over all of us, we pray. We bless you, and we ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. Filled up. How many of you know and love, Pastor Nick actually shared it, that you feel really good and full when you have a good meal? I'm going to talk about food for two seconds as you guys are all thinking about the lunch that we're all skipping together. We love a good meal. We love being filled up on a good meal. We love having that satisfaction of a good meal. It, it, it fills us up, right? It gives us energy. It gives us the ability to, to get through life. Those are good moments when you have a good meal together around the table, we also get filled up in, in life in other ways, whether it be a good conversation with a friend, a, a moment with family, a, a moment with your roommates. You, you, you get filled up with fellowship time here, even in church, or watching a TV show, watching a movie together. You know what I'm talking about? There are moments in life where you're like, man, that filled me up. I, I, just, I just had a good filling up of life. It was it was healthy, and it was good. We we put captions to these moments when we post them that says, my heart is full. I have a full heart. I love that caption. Full heart. I'm just so full heart. Rach and I are having a daughter. Just gonna say that. Pray for me, please. I'm gonna be capturing a lot of moments and posting them saying my heart is full when I see that little girl running towards me. I'm gonna be a mess, guys. I'm gonna be an absolute mess. But we love moments in life where we say, man, my heart is full. This was a good moment. This was a great moment. I feel good. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. But the reality of today more than ever before is there are moments in our lives that are giving the perception of filling us up, and they're actually leaving us more empty than anything else. Today's culture, today's moment, today's things that are happening. We're, we're seeing more than ever that people feel like they're getting filled up. They're, they're running to places. They're running to people. They're running to different apps and different things and saying, fill me up. I, there's a void. There's something in me. People are eager now more than ever to be filled up. There's a, there's a sensing, right, where we look at culture, and it's never us against them. It's us for them and believing for them. But I've said this, that, that the world is showing their hand. They're showing their brokenness. They're showing where they're in pain. They're showing where, man we, man, we are just looking for the solution. We're looking for the thing to fill us up now more than ever. There was a study done that millennials today consume over three hours, 3,000 hours of content each year. 3,000 hours of content each year. And, and the study continued that only 150 of those hours... Uh, specifically when it comes to believers, our Christian content, our things of faith. I'm not sitting here saying that what you watch will make you a strong believer. Okay, content does, but it helps. Catch me? 3,000 hours of content are filling our lives to try to give us information, give us help, give us insight, teach us, shape us, mold us. We're filling our schedules with activities, shopping. Hello? Spending. We think if we can just have those latest and greatest pairs of shoes, Guilty as charged. I will finally arrive. I will finally have it. I found myself, yeah, two days ago, looking on um, Stock X, and I was looking for some new Jordans because I'm just desperately need. I've sold all my Jordans, and I'm longing for a pair of Jordans. I need a pair of Jordans. I'm having a counseling session with the people that are in this house, saying, "Finally, this would fulfill me. This would give me something. This would help me. It would make me relevant." It make me cool. We, we, we're giving up Sabbath day rest to fill our schedules with work. 80 hours, 70 hours, whatever the case. I'm just working so I can get recognized. I'm working so I can keep grinding to show people my worth. I just, I'm just working. And we're filling our lives with all this stuff. People more than ever are filling their lives with knowledge. Listen, you know me. I love education. I believe in it. Keep reading, keep growing, keep getting smarter, Right? But more than ever, we have information on this little thing, this little machine called a phone, where we can know things, we can discover things, we can get the answers to things faster than anything ever before. Do you remember there used to be things called libraries? Anybody ever been to a library? Not the school library, like the library at your local neighborhood? It was a thing. And shout out to my, my, my mother-in-law. She works at a library. She runs those things. She's awesome. I love her. Bless her. But like we we used to have to go to those places to get information. Hello? We used to have to go to those things to discover what's going on. Now we have it in a moment. And we can get filled up on what's happening, the latest thing, the latest thing, the latest thing. In a second, we want knowledge to stay roving. We want knowledge to stay aware. We want knowledge to be able to fit in. We want all this stuff. Recently, there was a, a Twitter conversation back and forth with um, an individual and, and a woman, and I watched, I, I saw it, and I read it, and it jumped out to me that the world is longing to be filled with stuff that was gonna, that, that appears to help them. It was a conversation between um, an individual, and I'm and not to knock them, or to, I believe God's gonna reach down from heaven and grab them. I was praying for them, I was burdened for them, but Elon Musk, we all know Tesla, and, and, and the guy that's trying to get to Mars, right? I think, is that what he's doing? He's trying to get to Mars. Bless him. Um, they're having a conversation, and they're going back and forth, and, and this individual reaches out, and he, he's, like, going back about, hey, Neuralink is a new thing that your husband started. Like, like yo, let's get on that thing. Let's do this thing. Let's be about this thing. And, and, and the wife responds back where, where she's like, yeah, they're creating brain chips. Brain chips. Not chips you eat. Hello? Like, surgically implanting brain chips. I'm not here to say anything else except that's just nuts. Okay? First of all, I don't want to even open up my head to get any surgery whatsoever. Like, surgeries aren't fun, period. Um, But they go back and forth, and 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 the wife responds and says, hey, hopefully by 2022, we'll be able to get the brain chips so that we could have the knowledge, catch this, of the gods. She said that, and it leaped out to me. I said, oh, Lord, come, Lord Jesus, have mercy. Come, Lord Jesus, have mercy. Have mercy. Like we are at this place, in this culture, in this moment where we are eager to be filled up. We're eager to be We're eager to know things instead of saying, as believers, I have the mind of Christ. I have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. I have the discernment of the Holy Spirit inside of me. I know what his word says. I know how to live. I know how to be about his kingdom. I know to do what he's called me to do. I don't need the wisdom of anything else except the wisdom of God. You have given me the mind of Christ. Church, can I proclaim this over? Can I declare this over people? If you have said yes to Jesus, you have received the mind of Christ. You do not have to think the way you used to think. You don't have to dwell on the stuff that you used to do. You are free and free indeed, and Satan would want to come and steal that and rip that. And today, more than ever, I'm proclaiming, I'm declaring in this house that we will be people that have the mind of Christ. I don't need a brain chip, I got the mind of the one that created the universe. That's so good. But we are trying to get filled. We're trying to get, consume our lives with so many things. And it's profoundly impactful that Jesus in this moment goes into a time of fasting and praying. And He's led into this wilderness moment. And he's seeking the Father. He's seeking the Father. He's pressing in. He's pressing in. And it says he gets filled up. What? With the Holy Spirit. And as he's filled with the Holy Spirit... He walks into a moment where then Satan comes and tries to steal what he was filled up with. This is why, guys, fasting is so important. This is why prayer and fasting matters. So that we starve our flesh. We don't fill our flesh with a bunch of garbage, a bunch of the world, a bunch of nonsense, and we actually fill our lives with the word of God. We actually fill our lives with the presence of God. We actually fill our lives with the things of heaven. So that when Satan does come, we can look at him and say, absolutely not. Church, we've been given some access to the things of evil faster and more than ever because we're not filling our lives with the kingdom of God. This is not to condemn any of us. This is a call today. Jesus is our example today, right? Jesus goes through this time, and he goes through this moment, and he walks into this tempting, he walks into this trial, he walks into this point where Satan is now trying to speak to him and trying to tell him things, trying to tell him things. And Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. And Satan goes after three things, three things. He goes after a handful of things you could dissect and pull out, but three things that I believe are so crucial for this point, for this moment in our life, for you as followers of Jesus. He goes after his identity, he goes after his worship, and he goes after his trust. We have an identity issue. We have a worship issue. I'm not talking song. I'm talking attention and affection. And we have a trust issue. And I believe today the Holy Spirit is going to minister to us in Jesus' name. We're going to open up the altar. We're going to pray for some people. People are going to get set free today. Oh, man, I feel God. I feel him. So Satan goes after the first thing. He goes after the first thing. He goes after his identity. Satan will try to steal your identity. And when you fast and when you pray, you stay true to your kingdom identity. When you fast and when you pray, the inside of your heart, the inside of your mind, the inside of your life, you stay true to who God has called you to be. Church, believers, you don't have to give up your identity when the world starts screaming at you. Can I say that again? You do not have to forfeit, give up, give away your identity when the world screams at it. You can stand true and know who you are. Jesus is tempted there in Luke 4, 3-4. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. We all, most of us know this story. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. No, 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 profound, right? Jesus just comes out of the water in the Jordan. Matthew's account goes straight into the temptation. So the, so Jesus knew his identity. God spoke it. The Father spoke it. The Father said, this is my son. And what does Satan do? He goes right at the very thing that God spoke over him. If God has spoken a dream, if God has spoken a vision, if God has spoken purpose into your life, do not let Satan steal it. He goes right at Jesus's identity, and he says, hey, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, he tempts him with the truth of God. He tempts him in the truth of God. Let me say it that way. He says, did God really did your father really call you right? Come on. How many of you know this is true for us? Did Jesus really save you? Has really has he really set you free? Has he really said you're no longer who you used to be? Has he? Anybody else? How many of you know? Okay, let me say it this way. When I got saved, right? I woke up the next day in my apartment, me in my room by myself. And you know, like, I grew up in church. I'm a PK kid. Like, I've seen this thing. And I woke up truly saved, like truly for the first time, like the Lord touched my life and changed me and transformed me. And I thank him every day. But I woke up, I was like, I got out of bed. I got my coffee. I was like ready to like press in. You know what I'm saying? Like go all in. And I heard JP, you're still who you used to be. JP, you haven't been set free from addiction. JP, you haven't been set free from alcohol. JP, you haven't been set free from sexual immorality. JP, you haven't, I heard that. And I was like, what the mess? Holy Spirit, where are you? And I had a choice. I could have allowed for myself to sit in that. Or I could have started saying, Holy Spirit, you're in me. Holy Spirit, you're around me. Holy Spirit, give me the words of life. And I began to declare the words of God over my life. Church, let me say this to you. Some of you are losing your identity because you're not proclaiming the word of God. I'm here to say Satan is gonna come after your identity. He's gonna start speaking some stuff to you. He's gonna start telling you who you used to be or who you've been labeled as today. Some of you have been labeled by the world today. Some of you have been labeled by friends today. Some of you have been labeled by your family today. Some of you have been labeled so much that you don't understand. You're not catching the fact that you are a daughter or a son of the king. Period. Period. There's nothing else. Guys, listen. Listen. You should not be waking up every day going, I am this who I used to be. You should be waking up every day going, Jesus paid for my life. He went to the cross for my life. And guess who I am today? A child of the king. Period. This is not emotionalism. This is not some hoorah, rah. This is the truth. Jesus goes, no, 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 no. I am the son of God. I know what God has called me to be. Some of you need to shout back at the devil. Can I get real like preachy here? Real like, like you need to shout at the devil. Satan has been screaming who you are. And guess what? You're allowing him to. Why? Because you're filled up with the world. You're filled up with the things that you think, oh, if I just watch this podcast, I'll finally get a glimpse of what God has said about me. If I just watch this sermon, I'll find They're helpful and they're good. But until you start going, no, I know what his word says about me. No, I know what the intimate place is with him. I know how he speaks to me. I know what he has for me. You will start. You will continue to fall to the words of the evil one instead of saying, no, 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 no. I'm a child of the king and you best back up. I'm serious, guys. This is the truth of it. This is the truth. Jesus says, it is written. It is written. It is written. It has been said. It has been said. I know my identity. I don't have to fall prey to my identity being defined by the people I hang around. I don't have to have my identity fall to the things that I watch and I listen to. I don't have to let my identity be fall to the to the to the progressive nature of the church and that I know who I am in Jesus. And nothing is gonna change that because the Holy Spirit keeps telling me, keeps reminding of me, and I let him, and my heart's open to it. Is this okay, church? You guys all right? I've had three coffees in between services, so bless you all. Jesus says, no, my kingdom identity is this. I am the son. You need to shout your identity. You need to proclaim your identity. You need to write your identity down. You need to see your identity of what it is. And it is a blood-bought child of God. A blood-bought child of God by the grace of Jesus Christ. But something so profound happens here, too. I I could talk all day about identity. Your identity is not found in this. Your identity is not found in that. Your identity. I could do that. And that's true. And that matters. And this is important for some to catch. But, but what's profound in this moment is that Satan goes a little bit deeper at Jesus. He kind of starts, how many of you know evil's smart? For participation's sake, just lift your hand up. It's just a lot better. <laughs> evil's wicked, and it's smart, and it sees your open places where you've allowed things to open up, and it goes after it. And so Satan, if he can't tell and convince Jesus that he's not the son of God, he starts going after what Jesus will do. It's profound. It's I, I've, I've read this story. I've preached this story. I've talked about this moment so many times. And for the first time, I was like, oh, snap. We were reading and studying and praying together. And I was like, oh, my goodness. If If Satan can't convince me like he couldn't convince Jesus that I'm not a son, he will start going after the things that I do. Because how many of us know what we do is tied to our identity? Hello? Like like, like you introduce yourself. You, what do you do? I'm this. I do this. I do this. It's a part of us. And, and Satan goes and says, not only is he going to tempt Jesus to think that he wasn't son of the God by declaring it and stealing his identity, but also it was to use the, to convince Jesus to use his divine abilities and power for his own benefit and advantage which is directly tied to identity. Guys, catch this. This is massive. This is so important. This takes you from uh, people that just can declare, I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God, and start to see where evil is trying to creep in and steal it even deeper. Hear me, please. This is so crucial. What does he say? If you are the son of God, and then what does he do? Use your power to take this stone and turn it into bread. Take the thing that God, your father's given you, the power that is found in your identity of being the son and use it for your own advantage. Hello? Take this and use it for that. Take this and use it for that. If Satan can't convince you that you are not a child of God, what he will do is try to convince you to use your giftings, your skills, your talents, and the benefits of being a child of the king to try to gain approval. This is a good word, pastor. Amen. By using them... For your own good. To allow you to feel like God's child even greater. If Satan can't convince you that you're, because we can all sing those songs, right? There's a song like, I am a child of, anyways. We declare it, we sing it, we say it. So if he can't get you from stopping to say it, he'll try to get you even greater by saying, I'm gonna come after what you do. I'm going to come after what you do to steal the decoration of your identity, but also the inner working of your identity in Christ. Is this, is this okay? He says, if you are the son of God, turn this stone into bread. Take your own power, your own identity of being the son of God, and use it for your own advantage. And you know what Jesus says? My father didn't tell me to. How many of you know after 40 days and 40 nights of not eating, I'm turning that stone into bread. Come on, who else is with me? Please, I'll be honest. Oh, no, i go 50 days. Okay, well, next year we're going 50 days. Like, I, no, 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 I wouldn't do that. Yes, we all would. And Jesus is giving us his example. Hello? And he's saying, until my father tells me to do anything, I will not do it. Because no matter if I can or can't, I'm going to follow my father. Because my identity is not necessarily in what I do, but who I follow. Oh, that's a good word. There's an extra nugget for you. My identity, catch this, is not what I do, but who I follow and how I do everything with him. If you're a teacher, you're a teacher with God and you teach unto God. If you're a student, you study and you learn unto God, with God. Hello, is this making sense? If you're a mother or a father, you do it with God and unto God. Not people that can use our own power and our own advantage to gain. He's like I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. My identity can get distorted if I start to operate in the gifting that I have without my father telling me to. That is crucial. He has given purpose and destiny and calling to each and every one of you. Every single one of you in this room has a different calling, a different purpose, a different thing that God has placed inside of you. It just it's so beautiful, right? I said it the other week, just look at your fingertips. We all have different fingertips, right? We all have different callings. We all have different things that God has put inside of us. And if Satan can't steal the fact that you can declare, I'm a child of the God, he will start going after what you do as a child of God. And as we fast and as we pray, we can start to say no to the things that are stealing our attention, no to the things that Satan would want us to use as power, as leverage towards hurting other people, doing it. Does this make sense? This is crucial when we fast and we pray, we know our father's. Voice. And we know what he says. And we know when he says stuff to do, and when he tells us to sit. Okay, an example. Some of us are so eager to go and minister to other people. And God never called you. In this season, He's calling you to be ministered to by Him. You might have the gifts and the talents. You might be called to preach. You might be called to lead worship. If I just get up on the platform, I'll finally be seen. Until he calls it, it's a distorted identity. And you're operating out of approval. Hello? And how does that work? What, what, What do people do when they operate to get approval? Orphans. That's not a knock to anybody in this house that is truly grew up that way. No, that is truly a spiritual thing that, man, when we operate outside of the gifting and the calling and the word of our Father, we start running and doing things that we were never called to do, and it's an orphan spirit. I love you all, but this is crucial for us to get as we fast and we pray. Our lives will be strong. What we learn here from Jesus is that when we fast, we realize the places where our identity is not rooted in being a child of God. He not only wants to tell you who you are, but he wants to tell you where you've misplaced your identity in the things you do. And he wants to heal it today. Come on. Jesus wants to heal it today. How many of you are thankful Jesus just doesn't rip up and expose us just for the sake of it, but it's to mend us and heal us? Come on. Guys, we should never be people that are just exposing people. You know how that happens? Gossip. No, no, no. Hear me. If you call this place home. Enough. Because what that does, that's exposing people, exposing people, exposing people. And Jesus never called us to expose anybody. You have problems. You have an offense. You go and you talk with them and you, you work it out. But we don't use. See, this is this is this is. I'm a follower of Jesus. I just, want, I, just need to, I just need to air it out. I just need to talk through it. I need to process it. There's moments for that. Hear me. But you know what a follower of Jesus and the leverage of having his calling and having it as a child, you know what we, we get to do? God, if this person has actually done this to me, I give it to you. I'm not going to keep swallowing this pill of bitterness and, and, and resentment and, and, and offense. Offense is drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Wake up. Oh, sleeper. Is that okay? I love you all. I love every one of you. Even if you don't call this place home, welcome, my heart's for you. When we fast, we know our identity in Jesus deeper, the kingdom identity. The second thing that we get from this story where Jesus is being tempted to give up, he's tempted to give up his worship. And as we fast and as we pray and as the Holy Spirit works inside of us, we reorient our worship back to the Father. When you know who you are, And you know what God is doing in and through you. Not only can you sing songs and dance and shout with joy. But you get into his word. You serve your neighbor. You love them as yourself. You you give your life up for this thing. I'm not talking about worship today, singing songs. That is a worship act. But an act of worship is generosity. An act of work uh, worship is helping those that can't help themselves. An act of worship is turning our affections and our attentions to Jesus. And Satan wanted to steal the affections and the attention of Jesus and put it on the kingdoms of the world. Hello? What does he say? Hey, hey, listen, Jesus, I'll give you all of this stuff. He takes him up to the mountain, right? He shows him all the landscape of the world. He says, look, all these things, everything, every building, every person, every piece of land, I'll give it to you if you just worship me. And Jesus says, it is written, paraphrase JP version, not worshiping you for a second, Satan. My affection, because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he knew was turned completely to Jesus. Where is your affection today? Not Sunday services where you come in expectant for a word, expectant for a pre- expecting for the touch, the vibes. Where's your affection on Monday? On Tuesday? On Wednesday night? On Thursday night at one in the morning when you're up all late by yourself and where's your affections? When we fast and when we pray, our affections get turned. Our worship gets turned back, reoriented back. To the Father this is a moment where Jesus is tempted to, to, to give up God's way and choose the way of the world, to give up the, the way of the kingdom, worshiping God, worshiping the Father, and choose to worship the kingdom structures of the world. He had the choice to choose it. He could choose he could have chosen how, how many of you know in that moment, like fleshly our my flesh, this is just me. I would have been like, that sounds like a good deal. All this? I'll take that. I'll take that summer home. That's that's summer home right now when it's negative 12 outside. I'll take that summer home. No, you, we can't joke here in this church. Yeah, uh, it's negative 12 out in case you were wondering. It's cold. Hey, can I say this? I'm going to. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have the discerning power to understand what is a blessing and a burden. Sometimes they look the same, and sometimes they're far from the same thing. And Jesus looks at this as like a blessing. He could have looked at it like a blessing. I get to be this king over all this. He was already king. He knew his identity. He knew his identity. So he's like, I don't need any of this. I don't. I sit at the. My father's God. Yahweh. Like, he made this stuff. Like, I don't need any of this stuff. He said, you're not going to steal my worship by tempting me to give into this worldly structures. You're not going to tempt me by giving me fame and fortune. You're not going to tempt me by giving the riches of mankind. You're not going to tempt me with any of it. I know who I am in Jesus. And while we fast and when we pray, we become aware of the stuff in our hearts, in our minds, that we've given attention to the world instead of saying, man, 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 man. Maybe God is trying to speak some stuff to me. Maybe he's trying to show me where I've been worshiping myself. Where I've been worshiping my kids, where I've been worshiping my money, or lack of. <laughs> Some of the college students are like, Pastor, you talk about money, I ain't got none. <laughs> Can I be honest? Careful. You have the riches in Christ Jesus. Please, hear me. Please. Some of you have worshiped your sports teams, your 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 your, your teams. Even during COVID shutdown, we were still like, I can't wait for sports to be back. I just can't. I'll be fulfilled. And I was one of them. You know what we worship? Escapism. If I can just get that vacation, I will be set. And that's me talking. I said to Race the other day, I said, we got to get out of (laughs) here. like And Jesus, we got to (laughs) go. And the the Lord just was like, no, just sit here and be with me. I'll warm you up. I was like, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) That went over half the room in this place. I was like, oh, you're so warm. (laughs) (laughs) No, but for real, we worship it. We worship if I can just get the glass of wine before bed, I'll finally sleep well. Hello, church. We worship our business. Can I be honest here? Because I need to say this in this room this morning. We worship our wounds. That's not to condemn anybody. Satan would keep bringing up your wounds so that you can keep dwelling on them. What Jesus does is he heals them, he cauterizes them, he closes them, and so you don't worship your wounds anymore. You worship the the one that healed your wounds. You worship the labels placed on you. You worship perfection. You worship achievement. Wake up, O sleepers. The time is now for us to turn our affection to the Father. Joshua 24, the worship team can come on up. Joshua 24, right? Joshua's speaking to the the, the nation of Israel, and he's, he's sharing some profound things with them. And he says to them in Joshua 24, verse 14, he says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. He's talking to the nation of Israel. God's chosen people. Throw away. Catch this. Throw away the God's. Idols, idols are, are anything that has stolen our affection off of Jesus. Throw away your gods, your ancestors your, worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Either the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Choose today. The same is true to, right now, right now in this moment. Choose today who you're going to serve. We can no longer be people that have our foot here and our foot here. It's one or the other. It's actually better. (laughs) I don't want to say this, but like, never mind. I won't say it. I'm going to say it. Like, if you're going to go against God, just go all the way. Hello? Just go all the way. (laughs) Because you're going to get tormented. You're going to get disillusioned. Choose today who you will serve. And then the phrase that was on my parents' bathroom and living room and everywhere in our house, like on a little block all the time, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. As for me and my house, we're going to serve King Jesus. As for me and my house, for Titus and this little girl and my wife, we're going to serve the mighty God. We're not serving any other gods except Yahweh. And it sounds really good on a block of wood in your bathroom on the toilet. I would be like in there like, mom, what the mess? Why do we have this in here? She's like, you need to understand this. I was like, yes. (laughs) Serve. Choose today who you're going to serve. When you fast and when you pray, you, you become aware of where your affections, where your worship has been out of order. You know why fasting is so hard? Because Satan doesn't want you to have a revelation of where your worship's been out of order. And when you begin to fast and when you begin to pray, the Holy Spirit ministers to you in his kindness to show you where your affections have been out of order. Thank you, Jesus. And the final thing, because we're going to worship. This is okay. You don't have to go to lunch. We're we're fasting. So we'll stay for another hour. Worship the Lord. (laughs) Some people are like, Pastor, I've given you an inch. Don't take a mile. third temptation that happens with Jesus in this moment is that he's tempted to give up his trust to the Father. As we fast and as we pray, as the Holy Spirit is allowed, hear that, catch that, allowed to work in our inner parts of our hearts and minds, we come to realize where our trust is lacking. And during fasting, we are called to recommit our trust to the Father. As Satan tempts, Jesus takes him up on top of the temple and Satan begins to quote scripture. Satan, will, it says even the demons know. Hello? Hey, hey, hey. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus once again answered him. It is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every, every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Satan brought him up, said, jump. Your father's going to save you. He was going after the trust that Jesus had in his father. Jump. You won't get hurt. Your father's word said so. You know what Satan was doing? Was giving him distorted wisdom. Disillusioned wisdom. Church, catch this. We're in a day and age where there is wisdom that is being shared that is not of the kingdom of God. Jump. Go ahead. Do it. He'll catch you. Hey, go ahead and get into that relationship knowing very well that that person is not a godly person. God will call you out of it. He'll save him. You'll be the saving brother or sister to that person. Can I tell you, missionary dating doesn't work. Brought to you by, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Go ahead and listen to that voice. If Jesus really is strong. He will save you if the voice is wrong. No, no, no. I have the filling up of the Holy Spirit. I know that voice that's speaking right now. After a couple sentences, I'm not listening. Go ahead and make that ridiculous purchase. Jesus will give you a way out. No. (laughs) He wants to give you wisdom with your finances, with your money. Go ahead and make that plan without fasting and praying. God's sovereign. He is but we're chalking that up more than participating and co-laboring and getting in with him. You hear me? We have a trust issue. We have a trust. And what fasting does is it reveals where we are, are having distrust in the Father. Because of experiences, because of our past, because of things we've seen, things we've, we've experienced in the house of God. We have trust issues with the Father. Jesus understood the power of the difference between belief and trust. There is a difference, church. Hear me. There's a difference between belief and trust. How many of you know that Jesus died? You believe that Jesus died for your sins. How many of you believe that? I need a participation. There we go. I don't ask you to raise your hands right now on this. We all believe that. We can say that. We can declare that. But how many of you trust that he actually wants to set you free? My denomination, my growing up, my thing, I I, I haven't experienced that. The word of God says you are free and free indeed. And I trust his word. I trust his character. I trust his faithfulness. Believing is coming into agreement with what is true, and trust is giving of oneself to that truth. I can believe Jesus came to die for humanity, but trust is saying I am confident of that. I will give my life to him every turn, every step, every way that I go. I will give my life to Jesus because he has saved me and he has set me free. What you sacrifice for reveals what you trust in. As we sacrifice food, we are trusting in God. As we sacrifice feeding our physical bodies, we trust that the Holy Spirit of God is going to feed our souls, is going to build us up, is going to equip us, is going to help us carry out into this year, into this brand new season, in this brand new way. Some of you, the, the trust is not there and God's calling you to take a step and you keep logically going back, well, I believe him for it. I, I know he would do it, but you haven't taken that step into trust. Some of, some of you are experiencing the call from God right now. Give up that job. And go into this season and into this way, and it comes down to a trust issue. You with me? I I remember, like like planting this church, it was it was it was easy to believe what God was going to do here, but there had to be a switch where I had to start trusting that God was going to do something, start to move. So today, I want to pray. I want to pray for us that we would be people that not just believe but we trust. Jesus says, "Nah." I know my father would do that. I know he's been faithful, but he didn't speak that over my life. So I trust his words more than I trust your words, Satan. I trust his calling more than I trust your promise to hold or anything. I trust in my father. As we fast and as we pray, it's building in us a trust. It's building in us an identity and a confidence. It's building in us deeper affection to the father. Do you want it today? Do you want freedom from the distorted identity? Do you want to reorient and refocus your attention back to the Father? Do you want to come to him and say, Father, I'm sorry. I haven't really trusted you with every part of my life, and I keep grabbing the reins back. I keep grabbing the reins back. Right now, I just want to give the Holy Spirit a moment. Right now, bow your heads and close your eyes. I want him to speak to you. Some of it's identity. Some of you, your affections have been stolen. Some of you are on the brink of a massive decision and you're trusting in self more than the Father. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to every one of those places today, that we would be people that know who we are and knowing that the gifting and calling and purpose that God's placed inside of us will be used for his glory, that we wouldn't be people that give up our affections for the promises of the world, and that we'd be people that deeply trust the Father in every part of our heart and mind. So right now, Holy Spirit, Yeah, Holy Spirit, just speak.